back with another episode of the Utility Strategy Podcast. And today, we're going international again. Most of our episodes are about what's happening in North America, but there's just so much to learn from various countries from around the world, how they're dealing with the exact same challenge of subsurface utilities. So today, I have with me Amit Kumar, uh, who is an architect and urban and rural planner from India. Uh, Amit has some key insights into the urban infrastructure and utility industry. He's been researching utility coordination in India for his doctoral research project at IIT, which is in Delhi, India. So for those reasons and more, I reached out to Amit and I asked him to share with us some of his findings. So Amit, uh, how are you doing today? Thank you, first of all, David, for having me here. I've almost watched all the podcasts here, and it's so much of a honor to be here on this platform because, you know, we have had people like Jim Armstrong, and I've almost read all of his work and his documents and all the ASC quotes that he has gone through. So really to be able to be here on the other side of the table, it's, it's really fun. From all the past podcasts that I've seen, you are really a fun guy to talk to, and uh, I'm sure this next 45 50 minutes are going to be quite fun for us i appreciate that my friends it's uh, absolutely going to be fun so amit give us a bit about yourself what's the career path what's your story tell us a bit so to give our listeners some context i'm an architect and an urban and rural planner by profession i did my architecture in my graduation and uh, for my post graduation i enrolled into the urban and rural program urban and rural because when you look at a country like india you know most of its part is still rural and uh, there has to be a perception in the kind of work you're doing so you have to appreciate both the urban and the rural sites so uh, i got an opportunity to take part in a course called the urban and rural planning and i took it up all those two years was like great learning came across it was precisely in that two year course that i happened to come across the urban roads as a subject because we were on to a project where we were looking at how the pipelines are distributed across the roads and we realized that as a country we are looking at macro level we we do have different organizations that look up to it but we realized that at a micro level there is little coordination between agencies and you know that's the main pain point of the utility industry in my post graduation i did work on the same urban utility lines uh, but that was more on the integration part Thereafter, I took admission in the PhD program at IIT Delhi, and uh, I have been working on how to improve the utility coordination between different stakeholders in the utility industry. So I am around two years in this program, and there, there are a lot of insights that I really want to share with on this platform. Uh, whatever I have seen from this podcast and whatever I have read across the globe, there are a lot of development is going on in this sector, which is probably unnoticed and. because this sector itself is below ground whatever we are talking is supposedly going to be underground so i think the development across this is also going underground i mean people are not noticing it but the industry professionals are aware of it and i think a lot of change is going to come in the coming decades so just really hopeful and want to share a lot on this platform i hope it will be a good platform to share 
So tell us a bit about how the system in India actually works. I think here in North America, there's a pretty structured process for infrastructure projects. Like if I look at what the DOTs do or what Texas Department mm -hmm. of Transportation do, uh, there's a planning phase, there's kind of front-end design, and there's design. It uh, depends on the target delivery method. It'd be either a proposal or a bid. And then they're going to construction and then depending on uh, what we're building, so there could be a maintenance and operations at the end. So what, what actually happens in India? What are the milestones that a project goes through and how do these milestones interact with utility data? Uh, when we talk of urban areas in India, the preliminary body that contains all the primary government officials is called the PWDs, Public Works Departments. So these Public Works Departments, they are administered to look into the coordination of how the projects are going to run around. Let's suppose I have a utility company and I need to install some lines of mine. So I'll probably have to approach the PWD. I give them a date. I give them the project proposal. And that PWD department in most of the cases is going to have a coordination committee, which is not a dedicated committee as per se, but it does contain professionals from different fields. So it will have professionals from the police department, from the traffic police department, from the urban administration department, from the public health engineering sectors. It will have components from all the departments. Yeah. They will meet probably twice or thrice a year and they decide on what are the upcoming projects for the annual range. So how many water projects are going to happen, how many electrical projects are going to happen. And this is mostly with the installation projects, not with the urgent maintenance projects that happen. The problem that arises in this system is that you cannot foresee something which is going to happen on a shorter period of time. Let's suppose there's an installation project that's going to happen within coming eight months. So I can pitch that to the administration there and I can tell them, okay, I need this much of space in the road right of way. I need this much of a fund. So these are my conflicts. I want to talk to the other stakeholders. So you can do those things. But let's suppose if there is a project which is not that long or maybe a maintenance or a repair work, it is in these projects that the problems arise because the coordination committees, they don't meet that often. And the timeline on which these committees are working, they are basically macro temporal scales. So it's, it's a very large scale that they're working on, 10 months, 12 months. So whenever there is some urgency or there is something that has to be done within weeks, the problem starts arising in those cases. In my research, I'm focused majorly on the urban side and not going up to the national highways or the regional or the rural sites. In India, this is how our road systems are coordinated. So the national highways are coordinated by the national highway authorities of India. It's called the NHAI. The state highways are administered by the state governments. The urban roads are administered mostly with the help of state governments and the urban local finances. And the rural roads are administered by the state and the rural governments apart. When we're talking of urban roads, we are primarily talking of roads which are within settlements. The right-of-way is mostly fixed. Let's say we have a project which comes up in three or four weeks. The problem lies in the micro-coordination of projects. For the micro-coordination, there are bodies, there are organizations, there are committees which are set up. But when we need something to do urgently on a short notice, there is a problem. There also is a problem when we go on the kind of data we have. So the kind of data we have right now in India is mostly a 2D data. We are going to build up on a lot of things. Like I'll tell you about two major projects that the government of India has taken. The first is called the NIP, which is the National Infrastructure Pipeline. It's not a project as per se. It's a kind of a scheme or a mission, you know, which is basically a improvement program for all the infrastructure projects. 
it has around 9000 projects under its purview it's a program which is going to link the different model choices that people have so it's a program in which the roads are going to be linked to the ports the ports are going to be linked to the airports airports are going to be linked to the railway stations so all these different multimodal options are going to be linked together it's a great program as far as a macro level coordination is concerned and you will be surprised to know that the total financial implication that we are talking about when you are talking of national infrastructure pipeline it's around 1800 billion us dollars for a country as huge as india i mean we are trying to make improvements in how we are dealing with infrastructure how we are connecting infrastructure so when we talk of the profession as per se of the utility coordinators it's now time that we start looking at this as a serious in-house consultant or an external consultant it doesn't matter but it has to be a serious job role of one person i have read you know every 1 dollar spent in utility coordination saves at least 4 dollars in project cost so this position has a real real implication and with these projects there are going to come up for example all the projects in nip around 9389 projects are there to be scheduled so we do have a lot of infrastructure projects that are going to come up so now i think this is the right time to start so today how do the different stakeholders like you mentioned the police and city and the others how do they get their hands on utility data at the earliest stages so to speak when they're just meeting for the first time where where is the data come from who's providing it who's responsible for it so when we're talking about the data of the utilities that are lying into the right of way right now it's a mixed bag there are some projects that are hiring utility mapping teams to do the mapping but this data has to essentially lie with the pwd individual companies can have their own utility data sets but the data set has to lie with the pwds and the government agencies which are put up now the problem is the majority of the data set that we have right now it's in 2d it's a line diagram that is shared with the pwds when you're talking of a 2d diagram you are completely ignoring one important dimension of space the third dimension when you're talking of multiple utilities putting together the third dimension does a lot of changes because there's a whole lot of conflict that's going to come in if you're going to ignore the third dimension right now we are a mixed bag there are people who have started looking at utility mapping systems there are teams with radars ldr ldr radars and yeah things are happening but it's not a very conscious effort there are bits and pieces of projects that are happening and it's not spread evenly across all teams do you think that we're going to see in india something like the ase standard like the different so, quality levels the range between d and a in india we have something called the irc indian road congress so the indian road congress is actually responsible for laying out codes and conducts like in the us we have dots and their manuals for coordination similarly in india we have something called the irc and irc brings out different documents so right now there is a document called irc 98 which in the last revision came up in 2011 they laid down all specifications as to how utility lines have to be laid out along the road or across the road what kind of interaction might be possible what are the possible conflicts that can happen how do you report those conflicts a lot of this has been thought of but it's time we start bringing things together and make it in a structured form and then put it across the utility stakeholders because now what is happening is a lot of triple p projects are happening place the, the projects which are under public private partnership 
So when a lot of triple P projects are happening, there are a lot of uh, private stakeholders which are coming in. So there are private stakeholders in telecommunication, there are private stakeholders in gas pipelines, stakeholders in water and sewerage. A lot of stakeholders are now get increasing. The number of stakeholders that in a particular project is now increasing rapidly. So I think it's time we start looking at this seriously and take the coordination to a better level. In my project, we are basically looking at three things. We're looking at how we can save on the cost, how we can save on the time. And there is a third prospect of the road safety that is attached to this because there is a certain degree of hazard associated with every utility project. And once your project delays or the schedule is run off, there is possibility of increasing the safety hazards also. So I think all these dimensions are there in different silos, individual silos. And it's time we now put them up together and, you know, come with something concrete for the entire nation. Because in India, the infrastructure is really on a very upward slope and we are going to see a lot of, lot of projects coming up. Do, do you have some data maybe to share for what's happening in India regarding the schedule delays and the cost overruns that maybe you're seeing? What, what would be the implication? in a project in India if there's a utility strike? Like, would it be so, the same um, as what you've seen in your research that happened in the U.S. with direct and indirect damages and costs? So in 2018, in the parliament, a lot of question-answer sessions happen where, you know, people can ask their ministers about a particular progress of a work or what is the condition of this scheme. So in one of the sessions which was styled, the Ministry of Road and Transport Highways they pointed out that 363 projects were delayed in the year 2018 and 19. And the major reason for the delays was utility shifting and lack of coordination among the stakeholders. So this was officially cited as one of the major reasons for the delay on the floor of the house. So this is one data set. Another yeah. data set is from a city called Ahmedabad Municipal Corporation. So Ahmedabad is a city and the municipal corporation is called the Ahmedabad Municipal Corporation. So they have literally spent 176 crore rupees. So 1.76 wow. billion rupees. Uh, these are spent for road repairs caused by the utility works. And the municipality also said that a lot of the cost could have been saved if there was a lot of better coordination among the stakeholders. There are a lot of projects in India that have happened and there have been a lot of media coverage as to how these projects have led to cost and time delays and safety delays. So we have a state called Goa. Goa, it's on the western coast of India. And in Goa, there was a 3.4 kilometer sewerage line that was worked out. And it was a lot of digging work that had taken place for that pipeline. So that became a high profile case because the locals went up to the court to plead for the safety of the locals from that project. Wow. So frenzied digging was the term used by the locals. Basically, the different utility companies were coming and they were digging, haphazardly digging across the roads and putting the mud either sides and, and a lot of uncoordinated activities were happening there. So a lot of these cases have gone to the judiciary. A lot of these cases have been pending for a long time. Whenever someone puts a files a case on a project, that project goes on a status quo position. So the project is stalled at that moment. So there is an ultimate cost overrun so, and the so, cost overrun will lead to a schedule overrun. And the more the project is delayed, the larger the hazard caused by the project is. So basically, if I'm kind of reading between the lines, what you're saying is at different levels of utility data, that's great and that's, that's important. But before any of that, mm -hmm. let's get all the stakeholders 
in one room for any project, no matter the size, if it's a mega project like the billion dollar projects that we're seeing, or if it's a $10 million project, it doesn't matter. I just want to get all the stakeholders in one room, and there is a good chance that utility coordination effort is going to be the one preventing the utility strikes and the indirect and direct damages to the infrastructure. Yes, definitely. So if you're talking of the approach, the larger philosophical approach that we're having in the utility industry right now, it's more curative and less preventive. So we are not working in the pre-design stage. We're not sitting down together and that means a majority of the projects are not happening in that way. There are good projects that are sitting down in the pre-design phase sitting down together, all the stakeholders come together, they say that, okay, we might face these kind of conflicts and okay, we want a solution for this right now. But a majority of the projects are not happening in that way. So basically you design a utility line and then probably at the time of construction, you see that another uh, conflict that is going to happen. And for a country like India, it's even more difficult because we have cities that are 300, 400, 500 years old city. There have been cities developed in the colonial era, in the British era, and a lot of these pipelines are not known. There can be a chance that absolutely no one knows about the utility. None of the stakeholders know about the utility. Like I remember the last podcast that you had, the primary topic was you're only going to find it when you hit it. So I think that condition is also yeah. very, very true here. I think it's especially true in countries that have legacy, legacy utilities, so like in the U.S., the East Coast, places like Boston, New York, towns and cities uh, that have been around for 200, 300 years, right? There's infrastructure there that's been around for that long. Like there's clay pipes in the system that you have no idea who put them there. You have no idea who owns them. They may be abandoned, they may be not, but but they're there and they're working or they're not working. And like you said, mm-hmm. until you strike them, there's just no way of finding them. I also remember in one of the podcasts, someone was talking about wood pipelines. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, that's unbelievable. So you basically yeah. don't know what's there underground. And I think a more curative approach is right there in the country. We need to urgently shift preventive approach. Like why to invite the conflicts? You basically go reach the conflicts and... Do you watch cricket, by the way? Does. My dad's British, so uh, he, he tried to get me into it, but it didn't work. So uh, I can't watch a sport that's 24 hours long. So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So in cricket, yeah. there are two types of shots. One is where you wait for the ball to come to your bat. And the other is you yeah. basically reach to the pitch of the ball where it's going to drop. And then you play your shot there. So when you reach the pitch of the ball, you're yeah. basically getting the control on the ball. And you're not letting the ball control your motions. It's very similar when you apply to the yeah. utility industry. You don't let the conflicts come to you. You yeah. should not be the one who is going to sit and yeah. relax and okay, let the conflict come to me and then we'll act. Because that conflict might bring huge yeah. losses. That conflict might bring financial losses, loss of life. There have been so many cases where people have lost their lives because of utility conflicts. It's very recent, the remote sensing and the data imagery and satellite imagery, these things are probably 20, 25 years back. Earlier, what was done is these pipelines were laid down and most of these projects have done chain surveying. They have located the points on the map. Starting coordinates are given, intermediate coordinates are given and the end coordinates are given. And then a single line drawing is done. So on the paper, you have the line going that way, but situation can be completely different. On the side, probably there is a tree that has grown up on the utility line. 
you cannot control nature right it yeah. can grow wherever it wants so there is a tree that is there on the line now yeah. so the marker on the utility line has gone somewhere it's it's nowhere in this universe it's absolutely disappeared basically how do you define where is the utility line going you might have data from 1950s or 1960s and you might say that okay i do have data sets but probably the data sets are also having errors and huge errors i had a conversation with a person from my state he is working in the urban local body and he said that on one of these pipelines i think it was a water pipeline which was metal pipeline a tree grew over it and the roots of the tree basically disarmed the pipeline so that pipeline which was going straight yeah. now basically takes a route around the tree so the tree has wow. slowly slowly changed the route of the pipeline so how do you define such cases there are pipelines which earlier were roads we have something called the bypasses when you have a very busy road inside the yeah, city yeah. you make something called the bypass so there are many old roads which have been now closed down because there is a bypass that has been made and that road has let's suppose it has been turned into a park or maybe an internal road of some sorts and there are cases yeah. where the roads have turned to residential plots there has been a change of land use now probably 50 years back there was a pipeline that went below the roads and now it's not a road anymore so what do you do how do you identify the utility lines the only way i believe that we can go through them correctly is by adopting a more preventive approach because we do have technologies we do have isro uh, indian space research organization isro is doing very well as far as remote sensing and satellite imagery is concerned we do have a lot of other organizations also which are working very well in satellite imagery and official data as far as it is concerned we have different utility mapping systems that are in india many startups that are coming up in this zone so we have a lot of buzzing atmosphere the only task that is required now is to bring these things closer because i i also give you a data set we have around 8000 urban centers in india three of them have a population more than 10 million 53 of them have a population more than 1 million around 465 of them have population more than 100000 to 1 million cities which have less than 100000 population the count will be more than 7000 such cities so let's not talk about something like as big as new delhi or mumbai or chennai or bangalore even if we keep those cities aside there are more than 7000 cities smaller cities they are in a developing stage a lot of funds have been pumped in a lot of master plans have been developed a lot of things are happening there is another good piece of information that you will like it i'm sure uh, we have something called the amrut a m r u t a sector of amrut is specially dedicated to converting land data and other special data into gis on a gis based platform Mm. so it's a very big mission that's going on and basically we are putting land records survey records house locations toilet locations any special location that you might put on gis and we are doing it on an urban and a rural basis so it's a big mission that's going on the data that has been completed till now it's huge anything that happens in india is very huge so whatever in india we do we end up making a world record so if it comes to vaccinations Yeah. even if we had vaccinations it's a world record because we have the very huge population so <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> so we have to realize the seriousness of this situation. We are basically looking at 7,000 plus cities. I think in the coming two or three decades, at least 50% of our total population will be living in urban areas. More people coming in, more pressure on the infrastructure. So a lot of infrastructure is going to be built. In 2011, the proportion of people living in the urban areas was 31.6%. That is going to increase to 60% in the coming two to three decades. A lot of areas are going to turn into urban areas. A lot of migration is going to happen into these urban areas. Uh, when I try and imagine this, it looks like a big, big project. A lot of scope for improvement, a lot of scope for manpower delineation, a lot of scope for new technologies to come in. And when you have something so big, even if the margin of error is 0.001%, the net impact that error can create is huge. I think uh, what you mentioned about the GIS platforms, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. And I think we're seeing a trend here of many countries that are mm -hmm. trying to create one source of truth for, uh, it's called infrastructure data or utility data. Like we're seeing what's happening in the UK with yeah. Noir. Uh, we had one of the, the PhDs leading the, the project on our podcast, Neil Bramble, uh, talk about what the efforts that they're having there. Uh, there's a, a similar project going on in Singapore at the moment where they're trying to map all their uh, subsurface infrastructure. In the United States, we can see states like uh, Minnesota that are trying to create like this one-stop shop repository for uh, all the, the utility data. I think that that's where the industry is heading because the utility data out there is just scattered. So there's two core problems in the industry. The first problem is access to data. And best case scenario, it's a PDF copied from a napkin on some uh, server that takes you 20 <laughs> clicks to get to. And worst case scenario, it's a hard copy that's sitting in a basement <laughs> outside of a town that nobody's ever heard of, right? And that's, that's like only the access problem. But even when you, let, yeah. let's say you get your hands on that utility data, you get your hands on that as built, you can't mm -hmm. trust it. Yes. Because sometimes it's a tree that kind of diverted the pipeline. And you know what? Sometimes it's a contractor that didn't update the design plans and he built the pipeline a hundred feet or 200 feet from where it was supposed to because of a good reason, but it doesn't matter because it, it wasn't updated to the plans. And in 2022, if it wasn't made digital, nobody knows about it. That's why we're seeing guys like you who are doing this research and kind of bringing this information forward. And I think we're seeing lots of efforts of utility owners, state level officials, and we're seeing regulation like what's happening in Colorado now, that if you want to work on a road project, on a highway, you've got to use a subsurface utility engineer. Right? Yes. And we're seeing it in Texas as well. Texas, uh, I don't think you can participate in a, a DLT project without using subsurface utility engineering. And I think that momentum hopefully is going to grow. And I think uh, hopefully we're going to see much more focus around the utility data. Because like you said, I love that point. You said that the smallest Imagine mistake or inaccuracy can have an effect that's unproportionate compared to the size of the project and compared to the magnitude, basically. And there is one major point that I've been raising in almost all forums that I've gone to, and that is the GIS data set can be trusted. It can be transferred. I think the major advantage we have with GIS files is that a lot of stakeholders can work on it at the same time and make changes on it centrally. 
so a lot of projects are using bim bim approach bim is been activated in the utility industry but my concern is most projects even after using digital interfaces are still ignoring the third dimension of utilities what if we have water pipelines sewage lines and electrical lines in the exact same horizontal location but they have different depths water pipelines sometimes they change their slopes according to the terrain why are we not looking at the third dimension we don't have dearth of technology we don't have any dearth of the data sets we don't have dearth of the servers and some expert told me that okay if we go to the third dimension we are basically increasing the data size manifolds we are increasing the data size by let's suppose 10 times but we don't have dearth of online servers and storage capacities we don't have the problem with that so i think it's time now that the world moves from 2d projection of utility lines to 3d projection and even better if you move to a 4d projection or mapping of utilities i think now it is time to not just look at greater details of the utility data but also to look at different dimensions of the utility data can we also find the data sets of the third dimension can we specify what depth these pipelines are going at can we specify what slopes these pipelines are going to take uh, like i told you irc 98 is the document that takes care of the utilities in india so irc 98 gives you exact differences between two type of utilities if there is an electrical and water utility going in the same place this is the minimum depth you need to have if the utility is going below the road this is the minimum cover that you are supposed to provide so these depths are basically prescribed you cannot change them because that's a minimum that has to be there and it's also going to change as the type of the soil is going to change as per the seismic conditions of the area so my contention with different data sets that the world is currently using is we are not still focusing on the third dimension of the utility industry and that is very important because a lot of conflict and occur in the third dimension when all of this coordination stuff it is sorted out from there we can start thinking of the road safety aspects of the projects because let's suppose we have a 10% margin of safety in a project if that project delays every time that project delays the hazard delays because the projects have different bottlenecks the pedestrians might have moved to this carriage way i'll share a recent project scenario with you one of the projects are right outside my college so the pedestrian path was blocked by the debris of the utility digging and the pedestrians were supposed to take a diverted route from the carriage way but the carriage way however segregated you make it from the vehicular access it does get risky sometimes it has to get risky sometimes so there have been instances where people you know vehicles have brushed off people's arms that's such a such a low margin error like just imagine and because you have created a utility project zone there's a work zone created so the traffic is it is going in this way it is diverted and because there yeah, is a carriage way yeah. in the median there's a fixed median you cannot increase the depth width of the lane so basically it's a bottleneck created and in that bottleneck there is pedestrian access there is vehicular access there is emergency vehicular access there might be an ambulance that is traveling at 80 km per hour because it is going to some urgency i mean you cannot leave things to chance especially when it comes to road safety and uh, india in in road safety sector we are 
now starting to adopt that vision of zero safety zero zero lives zero cost we are now thinking of you know developing our road safety aspects to a point where there are zero life costs because in india the data set about yeah. road safety is not pretty encouraging every 4 minutes we do have a road clash a lot of lives are in lost every day if you compare covid and road safety in india i think road safety is a bigger epidemic one of my major part of my phd research is to deal with how to decrease the safety hazards in a utility project my preliminary assumption is that if we adopt a preventive approach to the project which has a dedicated utility coordination team because you cannot have a project without a hazard it's impossible you cannot have a road project without eliminating all safety hazards it has to be there the best we can do is to not let that project run over time and the schedule because every time it's run or it runs over a schedule there is frustration in the local public there is frustration in the traffic users and there is even frustration with the workers of the project the contractor is frustrated the engineer is frustrated the workers are frustrated you know mental frustration can often lead to physical crashes you know a lot of these All things are happening and human error and mistakes so Uh, we normally end this episode with two core questions. The first question, until now from your research, what do you think is the biggest takeaway that our listeners should pay attention to? So, if it has to be one big lesson, in India we are not looking at utility projects as it will be the approach that we are taking. It's more curative and not preventive. That is one of the biggest findings that I've done till now. Got it. So going back to that cricket analogy, we need to yeah. start being preventive. And second question, who do you think should be our next guest on the podcast? Who do you think we should talk to? I don't exactly remember which university he is in right now, but uh, there is Professor Sturgill. I am sure you must have come across this name because a lot of NHCRP documents have his name. Uh, they have been curated by him, and I have also come in close contact with him. I think his viewpoints on the same will be very encouraging because. he has written and his team has written extensively on utility coordination we do have a lot of learnings to take take away from that, those documents especially so i think professor sturgill so i think his roy sturgill yeah roy sturgill so amit i'd like to thank you for joining me today taking a deep dive into your research and sh- sharing with us some of the insights and it's been super interesting the aspect of focusing on utility coordination before anything else like that that would be the yep. preventative approach i think that's a major takeaway here and hopefully we'll we will be able to have you again after you complete the research yes sure <laughs> amit thank you very much thank you thank you david Thank you.